And um, before I before I start sharing the the word, I want to I want to do do a a demonstration or illustration that I think will help us to um, get the meaning of the of the sermon today. So I want to ask, who here is an expert online shopper? Who here spends more than a thousand dollars online every year? Okay. Um, how many people like doing it? Like like shopping online? How many people are very proficient at shopping online? Okay. I, I need among you. One of you needs to volunteer to be uh, to be our our experiment online shopper. I'm going to give you one minute on Amazon.com, and you need to see how much you can put in your online shopping cart in that one minute. So do do I have uh, any 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 volunteers for that? Come on, be a sport. Anybody would Dorothy? Would you like to give it a try? So we're looking we're looking for high value things, okay? So you can go ahead and be as consumerist as you want. You know, do you not want to do it or? Okay, so um, if you'd. Go over to the, the, the workstation over there, and um, Kevin's going to help you. So you, you have one minute. Does anybody have a, have a stopwatch? Or, or is, um, can you help me? So, oh, OK. But any, can anybody, like, I, I need somebody who, like, says, oh, Peter, can you do it? OK, so, so you, 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 when I say go, you start it, and then at the end of one minute, you have to stop. Say stop, okay? So Dorothy, are you uh, are you ready to go? You're gonna play plane. <laughs> okay, Peter, you ready? Okay, go. Okay, let's see how much she can put in her online shopping cart. No, that's a that's a toy plane. <laughs> Car. Maybe you can buy airplane tickets to Uganda. <laughs> Maybe you should go for jewelry. <laughs> I'd say jewelry and electronics. And what happened to one-click shopping? Okay, we'll give you another minute. <laughs> count, count another minute, Peter. No, I don't think you'd have to. You just uh, put it in your cart. Yeah. I think you're in the wrong category. Oh no, oh.
Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be a manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm too ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So we called in each one of the master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 400. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal, eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. So today we're going to 
look at this and, and see what is Jesus talking about? Does he want us to be dishonest? You know, like cheat, cheat people? No, that's not the, not the point. But we're going to um, first learn, learn uh, you know, what Jesus was trying to convey, what's the meaning he was trying to convey, and then we'll, we'll see how that applies to our own lives. So let's look at verse 1 and 2. Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. So there was the manager. He's not a very good manager. He's like kind of wasting, oh, you know, a thousand bucks here. Yeah, whatever. And he's just spending his money wild, the, his master's money wildly. So, of course, if you were the master, you know, you'd say, hey, what's going on? You know, so he calls him in. He says, you know, I've been hearing bad things about you. I'm going to give you a very short time, maybe a day or two, and then you need to give an account. If you can't justify yourself what these things I've been hearing about you, you're out of a job. So the manager, he's in a very difficult position. He, he knows there's no way he can give, give a, a good excuse for what he's been doing. He knows that he's going to get fired. It's a given. So he, he needs to figure out what he's going to do. Let's read verse 3 and 4, or 3 through 7. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. And I'm too ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So then he calls in these two guys. He says, tell me, what's your debt? What do you owe my master? And they say this, I'll tell you what. Give me, give me your, uh, the certificate or whatever it is, and let's scrap this, tear it up, and let's write a new one right here, right now. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it down. Because he, he still had the authority to do that as, as the manager. So when his master came, the, you know, the next day or day or two, he said, okay, time to give an account. And then he found out what the, the manager did. He's, oh, pretty smooth. <laughs> so the, this manager, he, was, he assessed the situation. He said, there's no way I can, I can justify myself. And I'm too, I'm too weak to dig. I'm not strong enough. I'm too ashamed to beg. So what can I do? He, he, was, he realized he still had some opportunity to ensure his future welfare, he must have been really happy. You know, he was like, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. So he thought fast. Now let's look what the master says in verse 8 and 9. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So the manager, the master commended the manager not because he was dishonest, but because he was shrewd, because he was clever, and he was like uh, ingenious, you know, like he was very like cunning and looking for opportunities. So he said that part is good. And Jesus said that people in this world are very clever when it comes to looking out for their own, their own interests, you know. If, if somebody's, you know, if this guy was like sitting there, oh, I'm going to lose my job, then, oh, you lose your job. 
you know, everybody would say, no, he's, he's dumb, you know, he's, he's not smart. In the same way, you know, all of us, we're thinking about, we're very good about thinking about the future and, and what we have to do to get ahead. You know, if we're young, we're going to go to school and, and get good grades and go to college so that we get a good, deg- you know, degree, an internship here, and then we're going to be set, you know. We're, we're good at watching out for ourselves, thinking about our future, if, you know, we're in a job, you know, we're, we're, we want to work hard. Why do you want to work hard? You want to get a promotion so you can get more money. It's very common sense. Jesus said, this is very easy to understand among the people of this world. You know, they're very clever in thinking how to, how to um, uh, get ahead. So these are the ty- types of people who are going places, people who think like this. Now, here's the point of the parable. Jesus says that Christians should be similarly similarly shrewd or ingenious to make the most of their available resources and opportunities, but not for here on earth, but for in heaven. He says, you know, so use this worldly wealth so that when it is gone, because it's going to be gone, you can't take anything with you. So when it is gone, you have a place to go. You have something set up for you when you go to heaven. So that's the, that's, that's the point of the parable. The point is not to be dishonest, but the point is to be shrewd. So Jesus says, you know, people in this world, they're shrewd in their own kind, meaning here on earth. But Christians, so often they're unwise because they're, they're, they can understand how to be shrewd here on earth, right? But when it comes to thinking about eternal things. Christians are very unwise. They're, they're like, you know, the, the kid at home playing video games instead of studying hard. You know, he's not going to be able to get into the university, right? Or they're, they're, they're like the, the guy on the job who comes in late, you know, and is just sitting at the water cooler talking to all his friends. He's not going to get the promotion. But in, think in spiritual terms. Jesus is saying, think in spiritual terms. He's saying when it counts, Christians are being very unwise. You know, all these things down here, that's good. But that's not where it counts because this, this stuff is going to be gone. So let's read verse 10 through 12. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with some, someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So Jesus explains that God is going to reward people who have been faithful to his purpose here on earth. And so, you know, the first thing that Christians need to understand is God has a purpose for them. You know, Jesus came down to earth. He died, suffered, and died, and he rose again to save our souls, right? So we have a ticket to heaven, but we don't just stand around at the train station waiting for the heaven express to come along. We have a purpose. We have a purpose here on earth. That's why he left us here. So while we're here, we need to be faithful with the resources and opportunities that are given to us. Let's look at uh, 2 Timothy Verse t- chapter 2, verse 6 through 4. Or, 
That's six or four. <laughs> four through six. So that's Second Timothy chapter two, verses four through six. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive his, a share of the crops. And then Paul tells Timothy, think about it and you'll get it. He doesn't explain it. He just says, just think on it. It'll come to you. But I think Paul is talking really about what Jesus, the same thing that Jesus is talking about. The good soldier is the one that avoids get, getting distracted with the civilian things, with the other things. He's only focused on his, his commands, the commands that he's received. His officer told him to do this. He's not going to go around and do this other thing. He's going to stick with that until he's told otherwise. The, the athlete, in order to win, he can't just use any means to, to get there. He's got to compete according to the rules. There's some, some guidelines that he needs to follow. Same way for us Christians. We have guidelines that we need to follow in order to get to our goal. The farmer is hardworking. If he's not hardworking, he doesn't deserve his share of the crops. You know, the farmers, they kind of live in a community and they help each other, right? Like a barn raising or something. They, they help each other, um, you know, gather in the, the, the crops and, and thresh it and, and such. He said, if you're lazy, you don't deserve your first share of the crops. He said, the hardworking farmer deserves his share of the crops. Hard work, the, a farmer is very patient. He's got to work all year round. And then, then he, then he uh, reaps the, the result of his hard work. Right? So he says Christians need to be the same way. We need to be hardworking and patient and diligent, making the most of our, our opportunities and using all of our resources here on earth. This is what Jesus is saying. If you can be faithful with very little, then you can be trusted with much. You know, if my daughter is three years old, you know, there's going to be a series of tests that she's going to show me how responsible she is before I trust her with, you know, more and more things. Eventually, she's going to ask me for a car, right? I'm trying not to think about that, but it's going to come, you know. But, but eventually, that's going to happen. But before that happens, she needs to be faithful, show, show you know, graduating levels of, of responsibility and faithfulness. It's the same with us as Christians, God wants to reward us. He wants to say, well done, good and faithful soldier, because you obeyed the commands that I gave you. He's, he wants to say, here is the crown, victor's crown, because you competed according to the rules. He wants to say, here is your share, first share of the crops, because you were the patient and hardworking farmer. But we need to be faithful. We need to be looking out and taking the initiative we need to be like the shrewd manager who was, who was, you know, he had his game on. You know, he was thinking about, about what's going to happen in D-Day. He's going to lose his job. He says, I know what I'm going to do so that I will, be, I will be set when that day comes. What about us as Christians? Are we thinking about that day? 
Or are we just thinking about here th- things here on earth? Jesus says, those are little things. Don't, don't focus on that. Keep your eye on the goal. He said, if you're faithful in dealing with these little things in the right way, then I'm going to trust you with much. So Christians need to faithfully make use of their time and resources. So let's read verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus explains why wor- that worldly wealth is the test of faithfulness because it's impossible for somebody to be wholly devoted to one and to the other at the same time. You can't serve both God and money. He said, no servant can serve two masters. Now, he, says, he doesn't say that it's wrong to make money, but he says, yeah, you can make money if, if God is, is, if you're serving God, right? Now, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. So the, Jesus had just said the thing about God and money. You know, you can't serve both God and money. And it hit the Pharisees pretty hard. And that's why they sneered at him. To sneer at somebody is to kind of like smile with contempt. So you're like, you know. It's like, he, 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 oh, he's an amateur. You know, they're, they're saying, oh, that Jesus, he, he really doesn't know the Bible. You know, he's just making these, these things up. Or he's very impractical. Do you think really anybody can get by with money? You know, they're like um, equivocating. You know, equivocating is like saying something that's uh, equivalent to the truth, but it's not really. You say it in such a way that actually you mean to lie, but you don't, don't want to be so bold-faced about it. So they, they, were, they were sneering at him, and they were justifying themselves. And they were using arguments that appealed to, to things that were highly valued among men. You know, like, oh, you know, think about your family. You know, everybody wants to take care of your family. Or, you know, investments are very wise. You know, very wise things to have investments. But Jesus says, God knows your hearts. God knows where your heart is. So now let's look at how we can apply the things from this parable in our own lives. You know, what I think the Holy Spirit already can speak to many of you, even though we haven't applied anything yet to our own lives, but I think the Holy Spirit already speaks to you like, oh, tells you something, was how this applies to your own life. So the first thing that I I can see is that we need to be aware of the time that we have and the opportunities that we have. The first thing that we see is time is valuable because the dishonest manager, when he got that call from from his boss, says, what's this I hear about you? I'm going to be in town in a few days and you better give a good account to me. You're going to lose your job. And the manager knew there was no way he could justify himself. The same way 
we each have our day coming. Either Jesus is going to come back, or we're going to go meet him. We have limited time, just like the shrewd manager. We need to think and be clever how to use our resources, how to use our opportunities to prepare for that time. Now, this affects several things. I could think of just a few here. I talk about hobbies, career, education, marriage. That's all I put down. But, um, but I think it can affect many things in our lives. You know, in terms of our hobbies, right? It, we shouldn't have too much free time. You know, free time is good, but too much free time is, is, is not good. Because I think, you know, Jesus is going to come back when, we, when he comes back. If we tell him, oh, I, I spent my time, you know, building model airplanes, he's not going to be too impressed, you know. <laughs> For me, I mean, I, 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 I admit, you know, I, I, I like to keep goldfish. So I, I, I spend, you know, maybe an hour a week, you know, cleaning my goldfish tank, you know, and looking at my goldfish and stuff. And so I, and I think that's okay because everybody, you know, we're human, right? You know, God gives us, uh, you know, things we enjoy. We can paint, you know, we can play guitar or whatever. But it's like there's a, such a thing as, you know, too much is too much, right? So unless that thing is really, you know, is a, is a way to make you be normal, you know, then that's good. <laughs> but if it's, I hope you guys know what I mean, right? Because if you're just, you know, playing video games all the time when you should be studying, that's like too much free time, right? Okay. We need to think about the finish line. We need to be disciplined like the soldier who doesn't get involved in civilian affairs, okay? The, it also, I think this affects our careers because a career, how, much, how many of us, like, are, you know, you, you spend a lot of time at your job and you're like, man, I spent a lot of time at my job this week. You know, basically, you know, I was at work, then I went home, and I went to sleep, and I got up and went to work again. <laughs> you know, it's like, how many people, that sounds, you, you've questioned, <laughs> ask, ask yourself about that. Yeah, you know, so we need to be thinking about our career. You know, because the career takes up so much of, so much of our life. And so we need to be wise about about the career choices. And I believe everybody who's a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit inside you, and he can tell you what is right and what is wrong. We need to work and earn money. Paul said that he who does not work shall not eat. So unless you don't want to be really skinny, you need to work, okay? But we need to think about, um, you know, what career God wants us, wants us to be in. What is, what's the purpose of our career? You know, for me, I admit, right now, the, the main purpose is to get some money so I can support my family. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. The Bible tells us to support our family. But think about what's the purpose of your career. Don't just say the career is the goal. That's a sad, sad thing. The third thing I, I thought about is that it will affect our education. And so all this is for, for the young people. Young people. So our education. What are we going to do with our education? It's just like the career. If I'm going to this school just to go to this school, 
if I'm going to go get this degree just for this degree, it's sad. There's no purpose in it. But if I'm going to get this degree so that it'll enable me to, I will be more free in my ministry once I'm graduated, I think that's very, um, that's very laudable. You know, that's good. I, I, I really salute that because you're, you're thinking ahead. But you need to be thinking. Like, what? I'm spending so much time. What's the purpose here? You know, um, you know what we're talking about? Later on, I'm going to talk about money. And young people don't have a lot of money, but they have a lot of time. <laughs> so this part of the sermon is, about, is, is towards young people especially. Because you have a lot of time. You have a lot of time to prepare yourself. And you're, you haven't made the big decisions in life that will, can really tie you down. Like, you're already a Christian before you get married, you know, before you get a big mortgage, um, you know, before you, I don't know, have kids. You know, there's so many other decisions that you make, and they affect how free you are to serve God. Did you know that Paul said, I wish that everybody was like me that didn't have to get married? But he says, I understand that some people need to. I'm the one of those people that needed to. You know, that's why I got married. But Paul said, I wish that everybody was like me. Because if you're like me, you can be more free to do God's work. You know, he said, those who get married have to think about their husband or wife, how they can please them. And it's true. God wants you to please your husband or wife. Not everybody is called to get married. If you have the gift of celibacy, don't let anybody look down on you. Serious. Okay, and if you don't, that's fine. But if you do, don't feel pressured into saying, oh, I got to get married. Because you can live in whole, holy, undivided devotion to the Lord, both in your body and, and your spirit. That's what Paul says. You know, we, young people especially need to think about uh, the, the time that they have now before they, they get a job because you have, you're more flexible with your time. You know, and, and you, if you don't have a, a girlfriend, you know, girlfriends take up so much of your time, or boyfriends, you know, they take up so much of your time. You know, so I can, I'm just going to use myself as an example that, you know, when I was in, uh, when I was in college, I would go over to Dwayne's house, and I would stay, stay up wait, waiting for him to get home from work. So he, he would get home from work around 12 a.m. or 1, 1 a.m., and I'd say, okay, Dwayne, I'm here. Bible study. <laughs> he's like, oh man, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so he he sits down and he's all stinky and stuff. And we open the Bible and because I wanted to get trained because I knew that when I graduated, I wanted to go help plant a church. You know, we we need to be thinking like this. What can I do in my life that will make the maximum impact for the kingdom of God? And I shared a, a, a story with the, the peeps in the Wednesday care group, you know, and, and uh, we were talking about Hudson Taylor ha had a story, and he was saying, you know, we need to do the most we can to save people who are out there. They're like drowning people, and we have something that can save them from drowning. If we say, oh, it's not convenient for us to go save them, well, aren't we guilty of those people's lives? In the same way, if we have the opportunity to do something for God and we don't do it, if we have an opportunity to save these people and we equivocate, 
We make up excuses. Aren't we guilty? You know, if, if we, we shouldn't look down on ourselves and say, oh, you know, I'm not the best person for this job. You know, somebody else is better. God's not looking for the per- perfect person. He's looking for an available person. You know, Jesus looked out at the multitudes, at the crowds, and he had compassion in his heart because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said, pray, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Because somebody needs to go, even if you're not perfect. You know, I know, man, I have so many, so many flaws and potential landmines that I hope I don't blow myself and my family up in the future. But, but nonetheless, we have to risk it. And we pray to God for grace. So you look, at, look, you look at yourself and you say, oh, I made this mistake. I'm starting so late. I'm not smart. I can't talk. I'm shy. Whatever. You know, we come up with all these things. And God not, is not going to use everybody in the same way, but he's going to use you in a special way, just the way he wanted to. But as long as you're wholly devoted to him, he's going to use you. You know, let's not be the people who are on our deathbed and we're having regrets. Amen? Now, let's... we. Obviously, this will affect who you marry, too. So you guys can figure that out. Um, <laughs> let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29 through 31. 1 Corinthians 7, 29 through 31. These are some of my favorite verses. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. The time is short. The time is short. It's short. That means it's going to come to an end. It's going to come to an end. From now on, those who have wives should live as though they have none. Those who mourn, as if they did not. Those who are happy, as if they were not. Those who buy something, as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who, those who use the things of the world, as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. This world, everything here in its present form is passing away. You know, for people who aren't Christians, who don't believe in God, if they live as if there's no God, it's not a surprise. But for Christians who believe in a God and they live as if there's no God, you're like, what the heck is going on? And that's what Jesus was meant by, by, with the parable of the shrewd manager. He's like, the people of the world are wise in their own kind. But what about the people of light, the children of light? The time is short. Can we be like, the, like John at the end of Revelation? He says, come, Lord Jesus, come. We're ready for you to come. Anytime, I'm ready. Or are we going to be like, oh, Jesus, you're here. You know, Jesus talks about, in the parable, he talks about worldly wealth. He says, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves in heaven. 
Because when it is gone, it's going to be gone. Worldly wealth is going to be gone. Then you'll have something prepared for you. And so I was reading that, and I was thinking, oh, man, I have my bank account with Bank of America. But I need a bank account in Bank of Heaven. Amen? Honestly, so seriously, you know, I'm thinking about this. I'm, I'm looking at and this, the Bible says, do not store up for yourselves treasures here on earth. And there's no footnote. <laughs> so I don't want Jesus to come back. And he's like, Tyson, you got a lot of money in your bank account. What were you planning on doing with this? Oh, I was going to send it off next week to Burma. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I mean, seriously, have you ever thought about that? You know, if we have a lot of money in our bank account, why is it there? You know, Jesus says, do not store up treasures for yourself here on earth. And like investments and all this. You know, I, I trade stocks, too. I, I like to, you know, think about the investments. And I have a life insurance policy. So I, I'm honest. I'm very honest. I'm, I'm, I was talking to Peishi. I was like, Peishi, you know what? I've been reading the Bible. She's like, what? <laughs> because I, I seriously, I think this is a personal thing for each person. But to me, the Bible says... God gives you things to put to use. And the way you invest them is not by buying so many properties or putting your money in this portfolio or that portfolio, but the way you invest it is you put it to use in the kingdom of God. And if that's not the meaning of this parable, then I don't know how to read the Bible any other way because that's what I obviously see here. You know... New Hope International Church, we don't have to be like the church down the street. We don't have to be like the church we were yesterday. We can change our mind. We can start taking God at his word. Even in the times of economic trouble, we can be the people. God, you are going to provide for me because I want to build your kingdom with everything that I am. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And God is going to take care of those people. God's going to watch out for those people. He's going to say, you the man. <laughs> say, I got your back. Because you're doing my work. So, you know, we have to be careful. Are we like the Pharisees who are going to sneer at the people who live by faith? And the sneer at the ideas? You know, oh, that's totally impractical. I know I'm not being very practical. My goodness. Oh, boy. You know? You know, at work, Bart knows we, we write marketing materials, and, and our main audience is business decision maker. So we have to write to persuade these people. And I know this is not a very good argument, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So God gives us resources to use. I just want to read... Um, one last verse in 1 Timothy 6. Okay, it's not the last verse, but it's almost the last. 6, 17 through 19. <clears throat> verse 17, 1 Timothy 6, 
17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain due to inflation and global markets and all these things that you can't control, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, everything with our, for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up for themselves treasures in heaven, for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Truly life. You know, I, I want to have faith so that I can live without a worry in this world, and I can live like the birds in the air and the lilies on the field. God is going to provide for them in resplendent glory. You know, rich people, they have a lot of problems. You don't want to be rich. <laughs> so we need to be careful about going into debt. If you're in debt, you're always thinking about, oh, man, I got to pay this guy. You know? Oh, yeah, you buy that boat, but then you got to pay off the boat. You can't go on a mission trip. You can't you know, sell everything and, and, and go be a church planner because you got the big mortgage. Because you have, you know, eight-bedroom house. <laughs> you know, in Romans 13.8, it says, leave no debt outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. The Bible says, don't be in debt. And I have a house mortgage, you know, and I know it's difficult, so I'm not being, being very practical. I know I'm not being practical. <laughs> so I think, we, but, we, but we need to have, have these ideas. Don't be in debt. I need to make clear all this junk out of my life so I can be ready to serve God. You know, I got so much stuff in my house because we moved into the house two years ago, and I still have stuff that was packed up from when I was in D.C., like three, three years ago. Man, I was like, if it's still in the box, we don't need it, obviously. And I don't even know what's in the box, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, I heard this, there's this movement in Time Magazine I was reading. These people want to live with just 100, 100 things per, I mean, articles. So they just have 100, 100 things. I was like, wow, that's cool. I think I could get by with 500, maybe, you know? So I invite all of you to stay for lunch. You know, at lunch, we're going to show the slideshow of the, the pictures from Myanmar, from Burma, because our church, we, we gave some money to the people that we know in Burma, right? How many of you, when you see these slides, are you going to regret giving? How many of you are going to regret that you didn't give more? You know, I'm going to regret that I didn't give more. If we have to be regret one way or the other, you know, So Christians need to start acting like they know what's going on, okay? We can't be the cognitive dissonance or whatever Dwayne was talking about before. You know, like you believe one thing, but you act another way. In Matthew 16:27, Matthew 16:27.
For the Son of Man is going to come in, in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. And in Revelation 22, 12, says, behold, this is Jesus coming, saying, talking, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I hope that we will be ready when Jesus comes back, that we won't be ashamed. You know, there are, there are things sometimes people know that they ought to live this way or do this way, but they're afraid to do it because it's so hard, it's so difficult, it's so against what they've been used to, so they don't do it. And I'm thinking, you know, because it's July 6th, July 4th was just recently, and at the Declaration of Independence, there was the issue brought up about slavery, and it was kind of an elephant in the room. But they said, no, we can't deal with this now because we're already at war, we need to get our, you know, we need to get things going. And so they shelved the issue. That's why it's not mentioned anywhere. But the issue was still there. And then our country paid a price for it, you know, some 60, 70 years later during the Civil War. In the same way, we live here in the United States in the most wealthy nation in the entire planet. God is going to judge us according to what we have done. To, much, to whom much has been given, much will be demanded. You know, I'm saying that we need to live like the shrewd manager, but like a holy shrewd manager. We need to be smart about the resources and opportunities that God has given us. Our church is a small church, but we can have a big impact on the kingdom of God. You know, just one person can have such an impact on the kingdom of God. 100 people can have a strong impact on the kingdom of God. You know, if you're in college now, I want to tell you that you can be a church planter. You can be a world changer. You have a choice. If you're young, before, even before you go into college, you, can, you have a choice what you're going to do with your life. You can say, I'm not going to make any stupid decisions that's going to derail me from this plan. This is my goal. And I'm going to stay on this course track until I get to that. You can call me up. Get my cell phone number. I'll go teach you the Bible. Say, Tyson, it's Thursday. Get over here. You know? Okay, it's, um, I, I want to close in, close in prayer now. Father God, Lord, I, I pray that you will change us, Father. Lord, help us to help your word just to stick in our hearts, Father God. Dear Lord, that we are going to change our attitudes, that we are going to ask you for more faith, Father God, to live by faith. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will soften our hearts, Father God. Dear Lord, do a work in us, Father. Lord, I pray that you will use our church, Father God, to bless the nations, Lord, that we will be a blessing to people, Father God. 
Father, I pray that you will bless everyone here who's living for you, Father God. They're just going to have abundance, Father God. Dear Lord, in order to do your work, Father God, they're going to be happy and joyful because they're living in your will, Father God. Give them faith, Father God, so that they, when they go through the difficulties, they go through the trials, they will know that you're just refining them, Father God. You're preparing them for even greater things, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we know that we are so... We live so sinfully, Father God, and neglect, Father God, of the need that's around us, Lord. Father, please forgive us, Father God. Lord, help us, Father God, to be the salt and the light, Father God, to be different, Father God. Dear Lord, to be wise, Father, not just in the ways of the world, Father God, but wise for eternal things, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I really appreciate you uh, listening. And, you know, I want to tell you that let's join together to build God's church. You know, God, he wants to use his church to bless the world. He said for something, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, or, yeah, 3, <laughs> chapter 310, I think, is 310. Is, you know, he wants to use the church. Basically, he's, he's letting the whole world know what's up through the church. Okay? So we build the church. That's why, you know, when we go to a care group, it's not about feed me, feed me. It's like a care group is a place where people can get trained, where we can work together to bring in our friends, to evangelize. You know, that we can grow the church. I want the care group life in this church to be very vibrant. Amen. You know, that it's... Um, it's kind of like the, the Sunday meeting is just, we just get together, you know. But the real, real life of the church is in, in the care groups, just like in Acts chapter 2. It says day to day they, they met in each other's houses, you know, and they had fellowship. Okay, but I'm, I'm so glad to be serving God together with you guys. And I'm so glad that God has, you know, is revealing progressively what he wants us to do. And let's just pray, God, give us grace to do it. Give us grace to each opportunity, like the Myanmar thing. Wow, thank, we should thank God. He gave us the opportunity to know those people that we can give to them. And next time, Lord, give us a bigger challenge because we want to step up to it. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's... <laughs> Praise God. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So let's uh, clear up the chairs and, and um, we can get ready for, for lunch.